0: Uh, Some of you will know I'm a a naturally um, sceptical and curious kind of person. On On a bad day, Rebecca will tell you that she would have a hard time convincing me the sky was blue if it was clear and sunny. I love to question things. I love to be curious about things, although perhaps you might just say that I'm objectionable. But I like to question and curious things. I have a degree in science because I love to know how things work. Actually, no. To be specific, I like to know how people think things work. But I'm still incredibly interested in, in life the, and, and how things work. I like quantum mechanics and artificial intelligence. And this last week, I was particularly impressed at how a telescope the size of planet Earth could capture an image of a 55 million year old black hole. And it was just spectacular, wasn't it? I think I've got a picture of it here. Did, did everyone love that? That wasn't that great? And everyone's going, I don't know, aren't you? I'm telling you, it's great. I spent four years at university studying physics, and I know that's great. That's very cool. It doesn't, what does it look like? Oh, look at that, Will. We never planned that. Sweet. I'm curious about everything. And one of my favorite characters in the Bible, obviously as a result, is Thomas. The most famously skeptical guy who ever lived, the guy who's given the name. Doubting Thomas. Although, as you saw in the video, it's a little bit unfair. I think he asked the questions that all of us would ask. I love the fact that the first time we hear about Thomas, the the disciples and, and Jesus have narrowly escaped Jerusalem. You know, Jesus has said something that totally infuriated the religious conservatives, the Jewish leaders, and they wanted to kill him, so they had to leave and they had to flee. And no sooner have they found a place of safety, that they get word that Lazarus, their friend, is sick and dying or dead, and the problem is Lazarus is back in Bethany, which is only a couple of miles from Jerusalem. It is the centre of danger. It's walking back into the lion's den, and Jesus says, "We've got to go." The disciples said, "No." Jesus says, "We've got to go." And then I love Thomas's response. Where is his response? Yeah, come along, we might as well die with him. <laughs> That's my Eeyore voice. Can you read it with an Eeyore voice? Come along, we might as well die with him. <laughs> Not only is he sceptical, he has a touch of depression, I think. I love him, he's brilliant, he's brilliant. Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to go, i I'll die with him. <laughs> He's fiercely loyal, though, isn't he? He's pessimistic, a little bit depressed, but fiercely loyal. Let's go anyway, we'll die with him. Positive outlook on life. The next time we hear about Thomas is at the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, and and Jesus explains to His disciples that He's got to leave soon. And Peter says, well, where are you going? We'll come. And Jesus says, no, 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 you you can't come where I'm going. At least, not yet. Not yet trust me, I have to go ahead, I'll get stuff ready, my mansion, there's many houses, lots of rooms, I've got to get all the rooms ready, beds made, all that sort of stuff, then I'll come back and get you. You know the way where I'm going? And then Thomas says what we all are asking, no, we don't. We don't know where you're going. How can we know? And in response, we have one of Jesus' most profound statements Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love the fact that in the greatest questions that we have the most profound response. When we are willing to to challenge, to step up, to ask, we find the response of the Almighty. Sometimes it's it's quite hard to understand, and it might take the rest of our lives to unpack, or to understand, but it's in asking the questions. Less than 24 hours after this Last Supper, Jesus would be hanging on a cross, crucified, discouraged, disappointed, disenchanted, the disciples disappear, scattered as they fear capture by the temple guards and the priests. Then, less than 72 hours after that, they begin to hear reports from the women. That Jesus' body is no longer in the tomb. Peter and John go charging down there and have a bit of a race to see who could get there first. But the giant stone that sealed the tomb has been moved out of the way and there's angelic beings saying, He's not here, He's risen. Around these, these stories and rumors, the other disciples begin to gather and they find themselves that night in a locked room, closed up. All the doors closed for fear of the Jews, and Jesus appears in the middle of the locked house, which is great, like I, I love, I'm a Star Trek fan, you know that? And I always wonder if Jesus kind of beams in into the middle of the crowd and there's like the blue, does it, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay good. Um, so, Jesus beams in and, and He says, peace be with you, right? Peace be with you. Look at this, look at my hands, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm fair dinkum, look at my hands, look at my feet. I'm sure he said, fair dinkum, I think he was an Aussie. But the one guy, the most sceptical guy, isn't there. Wouldn't you know it? So a week later, the disciples gathering again, and this time Thomas is there, someone's dragged him out from whatever rock he was hiding behind, and and Jesus appears again, specifically (coughs) to address Thomas, which I think is fantastic. And, And he basically says to Thomas, come and see. Come and see. I, I think this position is is um quite a common sort of place to be in our world. In our society and in our culture, I think there are a lot of people who are highly skeptical of religion, highly sceptical of Christianity, highly skeptical of the church, highly sceptical of faith, and highly concerned about the future. This interaction with Thomas shows us how how Jesus engages with the sceptical, how Jesus engages with the hurting and the disbelieving and He offers an invitation. That's it, an invitation to investigate, an invitation to engage and an invitation to experience. Let me talk about those three things for just a few minutes. The first is the invitation to investigate. So, Jesus doesn't beam into the locked room where the disciples have gathered so that He can argue the case of His divinity. He he doesn't give a sermon where He goes through the Old Testament, outlining each prophecy and showing how it points to Him. He, He doesn't get up on a soapbox and remind them of all the things that He said. He doesn't remind them of all the things that He did, the miracles that He performed, He raised Lazarus from the dead, He didn't remind them of all that. He just appeared and says to the sceptic, come and see, come and see, come and check it out. And an understanding, I I think we need to realise that an understanding of the resurrection isn't something that you can gain theoretically. It's not something you can learn from a book or from a preacher, it's something that needs to be experienced. Right, okay. Now, if it's something to be experienced, how do we do that? How? We we can't do what Thomas did, can we? Can you? Anybody? We we can't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can I check out your hands and feet? At least, not this side of heaven. Once you get to heaven, you might like to do that. I'm sure he might have viewings or, or something. can't do it here. He's gone to heaven. And, and Jesus acknowledged the problem, didn't He? He, he, he recognised that this is something that's going to happen. He says to, to in John 20, 29, and Jesus told him, because you have seen Me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus says, okay, Thomas... You're lucky, right? You're standing here today, you've had the opportunity to investigate the evidence firsthand. You've seen me, you've seen the wounds. Not many people are going to have that luxury. But they will be blessed, even though they haven't seen me like this. You know, I find that very encouraging and reassuring, because it, it tells me that it is possible to be blessed in the same way Thomas was. It is possible to be convinced, as Thomas was, even though we can't see Jesus. That means that there must be some other evidence around that we can investigate, instead of the physical evidence that Jesus hands and feet. What is the evidence? Well, 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 what is it? What we have is testimony. The testimony of others. In just the same way that a courtroom relies heavily on the testimony of witnesses, so too do we. In fact, John's Gospel, the book that we've been reading from today, was written expressly for this purpose. Look what he says, if you read the couple of verses after where we finished just before. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have Life in His name. But you want to know a question I have? The question I had is, is, if this book, if John wrote this book for us to be convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, then why doesn't it read more like a police report? You ever thought about that? Why, why doesn't it read with, with more dates and times and corroborating stories and cross-checking facts? Why doesn't it read more like that? Well, in, in my research, I found that the answer lies in knowing that ancient literature itself is completely devoid of detail, of any sort. Compared to the most literature of the time, John's Gospel and the other Gospels are packed full of detail. See, um, see the screen here, we've got a couple of examples, you know, it was the day of preparation, the Passover was about noon, you know, they were before they crucified him with others, no one on, uh, one on each side, Jesus in the middle, um, early on the first day of the week. See, in ancient literature, if, if Heracles is going to visit the oracle of Delphi, it doesn't say Heracles went on the third day and the, Do- the, the oracle came out at about noon, it, you never get that kind of detail. This is groundbreaking in literature. It is unique as a literary form. And so, we understand that actually for 2,000 years ago, this is more than a complete police report. So, while you may not have the ability to physically examine the wounds Jesus incurred on the cross, you have the testimony of history's greatest sceptic you have the testimony of believers all the way down through history. Each one of them saying, come and see, check it out. Many of them dying, as we heard this morning, because of their faith. Thomas being impaled on a stake. I, uh, we went to Bible college once for a, a, one of our subjects. I can't remember which one. One of the guys in the class was named Uman. And he was from west coast of India, west southwest coast of India. And he was from a particular Christian church that traces its origins all the way back to Thomas as the first, the beginner of, of this church. And, and his name, Uman, comes from the, the uh, Syrian version of the name Thomas. And lots of people are named Thomas in that part of India. Isn't that interesting? I find that interesting. But he was, he was staked out when he was there. Didn't end particularly well, for Him, but that is a testimony, isn't it? The testimony of believers and martyrs down the years can only be explained by the very real experience of the resurrection. But you see, there's also in this an invitation to to engage. Before you examine the evidence, you have to start with a little bit of hope. You have to start with this little bit of hope that perhaps there is something here worth investigating. You have to start with a tiny amount of belief, a tiny amount of hope. John 20, 27, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. I I love the picture. Jesus deliberately going out of his way to come to Thomas. You know, he he deliberately goes out of his way to to build up his belief. But ultimately, things are up to Thomas. Thomas has to move. Thomas has to put his fingers in the words. He has to reach out his hand. He has to put in a tiny amount of effort, a tiny amount of belief, a tiny amount of faith to say, maybe this is possible. The other other time where a disciple really doubted, uh, we saw last week. Where Peter walks on the water, right? Do, do you remember the story? Peter, uh, the the disciples are in a boat. Jesus has been off praying, and they're out in a boat in the in the lake, and the wind's up, and it's not you know not easy to see. It's dark, and so on. And they see this shadowy form coming towards them on the water, walking on the water, right? And they're like, "Who is that?" And he says, "It's I, the Lord." I mean, who else is going to be right? So walking towards them on the boat, and and Peter says, "If it's really you." You know, a bit like this. If it's really you, tell me to come out on the water. I mean, I could have think I, I would have thought of an easier test than that, but anyway, tell me to come out on the water and I'll do it. And Jesus says, Come and see. Jesus gets uh Peter gets out of the boat. See, he has to have that little bit of faith, little bit of belief that actually that could be the Messiah walking on the water. He has to start with a bit of faith a bit of belief. Sometimes we're in the middle of a storm in our lives, you know, life is chaotic, it's dangerous, it's uncomfortable, it's frightening. We're not sure where God is. We're not sure what the value of our faith is. God just seems so far away. We don't see Him clearly. But we kind of get a sense that God is is calling us in some direction. Kind of get this little inkling in the back of our minds that said, God, is calling us to step towards Him in some way. We are all invited each and every day to step a little bit out of our comfort zones and investigate. It takes some effort. It takes us some trust. But ultimately, we have to engage with the investigation. Sometimes it looks pretty crazy. looks pretty harebrained to the people around us. But the invitation to come and see is just that. An invitation to investigate and engage. Do you have that little bit of faith that's required? That little bit of hope, maybe? Finally, come and see is an invitation to experience the community and the Spirit. See, I find it interesting, Jesus comes to visit Thomas specifically at this time. Have you thought about that? I mean, this is going to be embarrassing for Thomas, isn't it? don't you think? He stood up against all his friends and all his to- all the testimony of his closest friends and they've said, oh, he's alive. He's like, nah, no way. <laughs> and Jesus is going to set him straight in front of his friends. It's embarrassing. It? If it was me, I'd rather Jesus took me aside and just told me quietly and I'd walk sheepishly back into the room, all right, you're right. Do you ever think about that? No? See, a lot of times encounters with Jesus, encounters with the Spirit of God happen in community, in groups, in worship settings like this, where we are surrounded by people who testify to the truth that they have felt and seen and experienced the risen Jesus. The Spirit of God is alive and at work in their lives. Hebrews describes it as being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know, all all these people throughout history, all these people sitting around this room who who have this experience of a spiritual encounter with God. They say, it's true. I've felt it. My story, the most significant moment in my story where I've felt it is when I've been stuck in a hospital room for months on end in total pain. You know, it's never the fun times, is it? Sometimes it's fun times. There are mountaintop experiences. There are valley experiences. But they're all spiritual experiences if we look for God in them. Thomas is invited to investigate in front of all his mates. He's invited to engage his feet, his mind, his fingers in the examination of Jesus. And he responds with the exclamation, My Lord and my God. One different aspect that we don't have recorded in this second encounter with the risen Jesus, the second time Jesus beams into the locked room, is this element of Jesus breathing on the disciples and them receiving the Holy Spirit. I don't know if we always focus on that aspect of this story because they have a great spiritual experience of a few weeks later, six weeks later, in, in Acts chapter 2, we have the record of that. But in this moment, in their encounter with the risen Christ, they receive the Spirit. And we in the Salvation Army believe that the first and primary purpose of what the Spirit seeks to achieve in the life of a believer is to testify to the truth of the risen Jesus. To testify, that the inner witness of the Spirit, our, our doctrinal statements. Say it. There's this inner part of us, this spiritual life inside of us that proves to us the existence and life of Jesus. And my question is, do you know the risen Christ? Do you have that belief? Have you investigated the claims? We're going to sing a song. You know, and sometimes we we do different things, and we we give away, you know, bookmarks and cards and boxes and verses, and we 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 do these things to remember. But what I want to pray for you today is if uh, I invite you to stand, would you stand with me? So I want to pray that today in this place, if you have just a an element of perhaps this is true. I mean, maybe maybe you've got great faith and you've, you've experienced Jesus. You've experienced the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus living in your life. You've experienced a new hope, a new joy. You've experienced a freedom, but maybe, maybe you haven't. Or maybe it's really distant right now and you're not feeling it. I want to invite you to do what Thomas did, to reach out a hand, and I want to pray for you. Do you want to do that? Would you like to reach out your hands and we'll pray before we sing? Anybody? Let's reach out our hands in faith and I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and and that you would find a new experience of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, we we thank you that you came directly to Thomas. We thank you that you've approached him in in the time where he was asking all the same questions that we would have asked. We thank you that you came deliberately and said, "Look, here I am. I am real. I am resurrected." Lord, we don't we can't see you like that. We can't we can't put our hands out. We can't Stick our fingers in the wounds that you incurred. But Lord, we ask you to give us today an experience of your Holy Spirit. May we know deep in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls that you are true. May we know your life, we pray. May we know your love, we pray. May we know you are Lord and God, we pray.